What is a toxic relationship? When does it become toxic? What happens when patients fall in love with therapists and therapists their patients? This is the 20th episode of What Should I Tell My Daughter? And this will conclude season one. Evelyn Locher will step back for personal reasons, which I'm very sad about, but it just proves you never know what's coming around the corner. So we should just enjoy and be grateful for every positive element that we can get our hands on. And I'm very grateful for the fun times we had starting up this, this podcast, which is something I would never have done by myself. And uh, yeah, so this season finale will be a compilation of the Asking for Friends segments, uh, something fun and somewhat less serious than the last topics that we've had. Before that, I just want to summarize. We started this podcast because we saw how women are increasingly unhappy in their lives and mentally unwell. And in the clinic, I saw how women are just they get stuck and they because they've made choices way back that when they when they're in the end of their 30s they they can't unmake those mistakes and they're just forced to live with them for the rest of their lives and then as a therapist there there's nothing you can do and i want to prevent girls and young women from ending up in in that situation especially especially my daughter i see how society lies to them from really early on and they're they're so deeply rooted that they won't even admit simple things like like uh, women are different than men biology matters and biology is a much has a, plays a much bigger role than than we let on the biggest lie the biggest lie is that we have a lot of time maybe it's because we live uh, much longer that we're constantly told that that 30 is really young in some respects maybe yes but biology hasn't changed and um, we we really don't have that much time to lose so many women are just they're stuck at the end of their 30s and they they don't have the amount of children that they want if they have any at all and that is a situation that that's very preventable um, in most cases, it is preventable by making different choices. I want to tell my daughter that there's a radical shift that's going to happen when she nears that number 30. No matter how important an education and a career seems in her teens and in her 20s, and how much this independent woman, the picture of the independent woman is hyped and, and uh, looks glamorous, suddenly there will come a time where that fades into the background. And when that happens, when that shift appears, she wants to have found the, the relationship. She wants us to have built a, a relationship within which she wants to have kids. That's what that's what she already wants to have done, because that's no that's no that's no easy thing. Choosing a husband should be as important as as her job, as her education, because if that falls apart, that's that that is a hell she's she's stuck in. You can always get an education. You can always work. But you want to make sure that you get your husband right and that you get the kids you want within the time frame your biology allows. 
there are few things as untreatable as a woman's wish to have children. That is such a devastating situation and just increasingly common. So if there is one lie that that I want to be untold, it's that. The other thing is that she will not be fulfilled by the same thing that will fulfill her brothers. She cannot be fulfilled purely by providing for a family and succeeding in achieving socioeconomic status. That will not mean as much to her as it will uh, the boys. Another lie is that the career will be the most important thing in in her life. And that that's the same message as I will give the boys. That is not true. I've sat with people on their deathbeds in nursing homes and people who've uh, where I found out later that they had glamorous careers. One, one was a famous author. I had no idea because all they would talk to me about was their relationships, their kids, their grandkids, who they'd met, which languages they spoke. Um, that was it. And uh, so that really that really showed me that this is um, that's just smoke and mirrors. And having a family provides you with um, a stable basis uh, with which you can withstand uh, adversity. Because uh, misery and tragedy, it's coming. It's coming your way. There's no, there's no way around it. And uh, and when that when that hits, you want to have something to hold on to, uh, something to be strong for, and something to live for. And that I promise will not be your career. Now I want to announce season two of this show uh, with me as your host, which will focus on challenging liberal therapeutic and cultural trends, rethinking how we approach mental health as more people spend more time in therapy than ever before and our collective mental health keeps deteriorating. We've got extinguished guests coming on beginning of the year, and I plan to really dig deep into topics that concern parents nowadays, issues that seem to worsen despite or maybe because of the endless resources and medication and therapy that we throw at them, like ADHD, anxiety in kids, learning disabilities, mom guilt, neurodiversity, why young men and women don't commit to each other. And I think by asking the right questions that we can cut through the nonsense that is making us sicker. So the show will go on and it will be called Psychobabble. And now I hope you enjoy this compilation. Um, I hope you find it as entertaining as uh, as uh, I did. And again, go to our website, provide me some feedback, comments, questions, whatever you want. I'd be very happy to hear from you. And I hope this pre-holiday time won't be too stressful for you. So, Hannah? Mm. Yes. Get I'm ready. Ready. So, um, a very easy question I'm asking for a friend is like, how much jealousy is normal? Or another way, when do I realize? Yeah, mm-hmm. when do I realize that it becomes toxic? For example, right, jealousy. So, okay, let's narrow that down to jealousy in a relationship because I'm guessing that that's. Oh yeah, sorry. This is yeah. coming from mm-hmm. right mm-hmm. jealousy mm-hmm. in a relationship. In mm-hmm. Yeah, I think no, no. Uh, emotion is all good or all bad i think we can they can be useful mm-hmm. so uh, treat it as a as a sign or a, even a symptom 
that you you go into and think, okay, where is this coming from and why? Maybe you have a boyfriend mm-hmm. or a husband that actually has those wandering eyes, right? Yeah. Maybe he is actually looking at other women. Mm-hmm. So that's that's something to notice. Okay. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So, so, so maybe there is reason for this jealousy, yeah, right? Maybe, maybe is, uh, yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Just uh just because you're paranoid doesn't mean someone's not out to get you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and sometimes the gut feeling is just right. Right. That can so happen. Maybe so maybe there is a reason to be to be jealous. And then mm-hmm. you have to talk about that. Mm-hmm. And then yeah, what then what is it that you're jealous of? When I'm jealous of my husband, it's I'm jealous of the of time that he spends with others. He doesn't spend a lot of time with others. Then I then I think, oh, I'm not jealous because I think that some that he's gonna do something. I just mm-hmm. uh, oh, I wish I could spend time with him now. Yeah, which I think is in a health, healthy because that just means uh, he's my favorite person, mm-hmm. and I just want to spend all my time with him. Mm-hmm. So I think that's healthy. There's mm-hmm. a, so there's a healthy type of jealousy. If there's no jealousy at all, that's not healthy either, because it's a proprietary feeling. Mm-hmm. So you want to feel like uh, your husband is your person, yeah, not everyone's. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So some some jealousy, I think there should be. Mm-hmm. So when I test my husband, sometimes I if I do something, were you jealous now? Yeah. He's, he's not he doesn't have a lot of jealousy he just goes, no. <laughs> get a little bit disappointed yeah like, i mean it can oh, get it are you jealous now and he's like no i don't and, and in the end he just says yes i'm super jealous <laughs> that's okay that's good that's good you yeah, can feel a bit is. flattered like, yeah mm-hmm. no you're mine and uh but some couples they uh they like to play games mm-hmm. and they mm-hmm. like they, they make each other jealous right because they need yeah. that extra that dopamine kick that you get Ooh, that i'm i'm special <laughs> who doesn't like a bit of drama i get it oh, but i get that the, too yes totally the, totally the danger is the game can get out of hand mm-hmm. so um, it's not a recipe for a long-term relationship. Yeah. So I think that it would go into what you call toxic. Mm-hmm. Okay. So right. Yeah. So was so that we good? summarize. Yeah, that that was good. Hey. Okay. Cool. First, first asking for a friend question answered. Boom. <laughs> yeah. I think I think to summarize. I think jealousy can be normal. Maybe. Sometimes also the gut feeling is right, but when it gets, as you said, like out of hand, when it gets too intense, maybe there's something that is not right. Right. In, is Take it home in- message. No emotion is all good or all bad. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Are you looking forward? Are you sweating I already? I have. Okay. Whew. Good. It's not a very uplifting question I have today. I hear a lot lately about toxic relationships. So my question to you, it's not very, it's not, my question to you is, what do you think is actually toxic? Mm -hmm. Because I think this word is used way too often. Yes. But that's that's my personal question. I I don't even like that we're, uh, that we're talking about toxic relationships yes. of talk because you, you immediately associate it with something bad something negative 
right the and the the way that i've understood how people understand toxic relationship is that something that affects you negatively so like it makes you feel bad about yourself even for a moment okay yeah or oh sorry what was the question like what 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 do you think is a toxic relationship and oh, yeah. like because okay. i'm asking this because i think the labeling is done too quickly mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. yes i think for me to agree that a relationship is toxic mm -hmm. say that, is when it causes you psychiatric symptoms I think that's okay. one of these that uh, we can say, okay, if the behavior of the other person is causing you clinical depression or is causing, yeah, then, then it's toxic. Yeah, you have, you have um, manipulative people. There's a lot on the internet about narcissists. Yes. It's become this yes. very popular term. Mm -hmm. So I think we're very much over-labeling it. I think people use the label narcissist on someone when they've simply disregarded their feelings about something. That's okay. my impression. Yeah. That mm -hmm. it's, okay, may, is it a narcissist? Or w was your boss simply saying, okay, we, we can't take your feelings into account right at this moment? Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. No? Yeah, very good point. So, yeah, be be careful how one throws out those. But But anyway... A true narcissist would be extremely, extremely manipulative. Mm -hmm. And in that situation, that's toxic. Yeah. Okay. Mm -hmm. um, in a relationship, yeah, physical violence, toxic, toxic. relationship. Okay? Absolutely. Yeah. If it's, uh, if you're only giving, 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 and the other person is taking, 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 okay, then that's, you can call that toxic. If you're, if you're never asserting yourself, if you are, um, then developing yeah. mental illness then symptoms. That's why I like that. Okay, if you're mm -hmm. developing psychiatric symptoms as a direct result of what's going on, the dynamic in the relationship, then yeah. we can call it toxic. Then you have to do something about that. Yes. So, right. So you should always look to your relationship. Is there a give and a take? Yes. Are you, you know, some, some people indeed get together with, with people who are pushovers because they, They know that that's what they need. Yes. But that that person is going to implode at some point mm -hmm. or get very bitter and resentful. Because mm -hmm. they often, they know that it's unfair. They just never learn to stand up for themselves. So at some mm -hmm. point, they're even going to crack. And that, or the, there is a complete overreaction. Or, right? or, or they're just point. slowly going to turn resentful. Okay. Yeah. Okay. Good. I knew it wasn't uplifting, but I really yeah. just wanted to say uh, this labeling, I think it's done very quickly. And I just, that, that's why I wanted to discuss it with you. It's easier said than done to integrate fitness into your lifestyle. For me, it really helped when I found Pitch Fitness Center in Adlisvil. It's a premium wellness gym. And it has everything, fun classes, a huge space with all the equipment you need. And it's not just your run-of-the-mill, white walls, vinyl floors, smells like a school gym. This place really gives you that hotel spa feeling all the way. It has gorgeous hardwood floors, just a really luxurious feeling. Always smells nice everywhere. The best thing for me as a mom is it's kids club. My kids go there every day to play with their friends and it's even open on Sundays. 
And the kids' club is this elegant, spacious room with huge windows. And I trust the ladies working there with my life, which is important. So even when I'm feeling too lazy to work out and my kids force me to go, I go to the wellness area and pitch and just have a well-deserved mommy break. They have a steam bath, a bio sauna, and a finished sauna, and a quiet room where I can lie down. I usually fall asleep a little bit. You can serve yourself tea and cucumber water and dried fruits. I always pretend I'm in a hotel spa and I feel so pampered and my kids have the time of their lives. When you go, you give your promotional code, what should I tell my daughter, for a discount. You'll find the link in the description of this episode. So, the topic that many of us probably faced in the um, space at some point how do you handle the delicate situation of telling a colleague that they smell bad? <laughs> what are some tips for approaching this sensitive subject in a professional and kind manner, Anna? <laughs> Evelyn, are you trying to tell me something? <laughs> the, 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 the most fun thing is it's actually asking for a friend because I cannot smell. Right, you know. <laughs> so I never had that problem. If you are smelly, you can sit directly next to me, and I will never ever tell you. Because Good, so I that will be my solution. Just place anyone next to to Evelyn. <laughs> oh, just uh, this question. Wow. Okay. In today's climate, mm -hmm. I would say just be really careful. Be so careful. I, you know, um, you shouldn't lie, and you should be. I think others might say that, well, you're doing a favor if you tell someone that they mm -hmm. smell bad and they can correct it. Well, I think that would be the standard answer, that yeah. you're doing them a kindness by telling them. Mm -hmm. But today, professional environments are so focused on bullying <laughs> and being sensitive. So I just think the likelihood of you getting into trouble by telling something they, someone they stink is so high. I would, if you came to me with this, right, mm -hmm. as it's asking for a friend, so your friend who is asking me this, I, I would don't risk it. Don't go and say, ah, this person stinks, so, you know, or you smell bad because they can so easily make an HR case and then you will be called out for bullying. I think oh. realistically, that's what's going to happen. But if it's very bad, but smelling smelling badly, when I think about the people who, who I've met who stink, <laughs> it's usually a symptom of just a, a, a bad situation, mm -hmm. right? That they, the, it's not the, f the only thing in life that they don't have. Of the raya. Mm -hmm. you say so that? I also, I, so, yeah, so I think that they, they, the likelihood that they have a lot of things they need to correct is then high and that you can just say, Oh, you know, maybe you should shower every day. Mm -hmm. I don't think that that would then solve it. No, but I think. I would, I'm just imagining it because what I did once was not, not it's not um, the smell that I've criticized, right? It was the way of dressing. Um, how a woman, a young woman who came to Switzerland from Spain and she dressed not appropriately. So then you have that, a, a, mm -hmm. a meeting room full of men, me and this Spanish lady. 
So of course everybody was was overwhelmed. They didn't know what to do. No. So I basically took her aside and had a conversation from woman to woman, and she really appreciated it. But she that wasn't really about did. smell. That, no, but but I mean, come on. When you tell someone you cannot dress the way you dress because it's inappropriate mm-hmm. to tell that a woman. Ah, in so many cases, it's not going to fly well. Also in corporate yeah, environments, but, uh, right? Yeah, that was uh, well done of you, and I'm glad that it went well. Yeah. But, you know, any other person would see that as a way to uh, keep you from a coming promotion by going to HR. Yeah, and maybe. Say, making yeah, a case, that, that, so that, that was that, risky. That's what I mean. it, it was risky, but I think it, it really comes down to personal relationships that you have. Yeah, absolutely. Are you in yeah. the place of saying it? Mm-hmm. Um, without hurting the other person so badly mm-hmm. that they want to harm you, right? Yeah. You should have a good, solid, working relationship before you can talk about such topics. Yeah. That's my take. I think that's, that's probably right. Another thing you could do, like concrete advice. Yeah. Because usually offices have a policy. Office oh, policy. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I know from where I I was working, it's a very strict uh, how you should conduct yourself and dress and be mm-hmm. in a therapy room. Mm-hmm. So you can you can go to your boss or the HR to have them send out a, a memo, mm-hmm. have them send out that just a reminder to everyone. Make sure that you you know make sure that your body odor shower are, every uh, day pleasant things like that's that's a good way of doing it. Oh yeah, or going through a third person if you don't have this relationship that you exactly. that you just exactly. said yeah. that you go to someone else or which is just uh, try to stick it out until you can that was the coffee check, <laughs> that you could change your that you don't have to sit next to this person yeah. or something that that's what I would tell my husband just try to position yourself differently by all means don't create a a, a thing mm-hmm or go to, to, if it's really, like, you cannot stay, you have to be placed mm-hmm. somewhere else. Mm-hmm. I don't know, if you don't have open floor plan or something, yeah. Yeah. then go to someone else. Don't create a thing, because people don't think it's a personal thing. Mm-hmm. It's mm-hmm. not something that you can just, oh, dress, dress differently. Like, the, the example that you said, mm-hmm. it's sort of easily done. Okay, yes. Right? Yes. But I'm mm-hmm. thinking, okay, what smells good? You need to go to the dentist, right? Or it's a cultural thing very mm-hmm. often that they usually, uh, cases of personal of odors yeah. isn't solved by just, oh, so I need to shower every day? <laughs> That's, is that what you do? <laughs> That's not. Cool. So I think, I think we need to end with that. <laughs> This was the worst asking for a quick question. I hope it gets better after this. What has been one of the funniest moments you've experienced as a therapist? I've had so many. <laughs> I don't even. I don't know where to start. I realized I've I've had a lot of paranoid schizophrenics, oh. and those and and it's not you know I I really liked working with them and they we were really great people. <laughs> but like sort of the funniest moment I had together with them, not not like not laughing at them in any way. I never do that. <laughs> I'm very respectful. But but where we were really laughing together, yeah, because yeah. uh, most of them 
that they're aware that they're you know that they're paranoid and yeah. that it's not really and if you have a good yeah, because they seek rapport, also for therapy, right? right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. When yeah. we have with and, and I, I had them for a long time, so we mm-hmm. had a good relationship then. And once it was this, it was a young boy, and uh, well, he he had hallucinations like they do. <laughs> and uh, when we were sitting, and uh, he was he was talking about how you know it, it was getting a little a little worse. Mm-hmm. And then I saw that he was very distracted by something, and he kept like looking next to my chair, <laughs> and I was like. <laughs> And I asked him, is there something here in the room now? <laughs> and he was like, and you could see he wanted to say no, but he couldn't because yeah. he knew that I knew him too well. He was like, yeah, yeah, it's right next to your chair. <sighs> and I like turned around. It's like, yeah. Yeah, well, I don't, I don't see anything. Like, can you, can you, can you talk more about what mm-hmm. you're seeing? And he was, he was describing it. But by that time, I, <laughs> I started <laughs> I got so distracted yes. by this thing that was next to my chair. So I like started looking and looking and I couldn't keep it. I, I had this sort of transferred paranoia. And then he started laughing because he saw that I couldn't really listen because I was kept sort of looking. It was the weirdest thing. And yeah, so we had a, a good moment then together. Oh. And he was like, And he, he yeah. of course knew it, it's not actually real, right? Yeah, because oh. he knew it was hallucinating. He was talking yeah, that it was getting worse and then. And what was yeah. it? Um, what was sitting next to you? Like it was, a, it it was a shadow of a person. Oh, okay. So it so was. It was, not, okay. it was actually it was a little creepy, but it, thank God it was like in the, during the day in the sun, and it was. Aww. So it wasn't. But it, I just I really felt for him. But we had a, had a funny moment then. I think. <laughs> but, but this, but yeah, <laughs> a thing that gives me this sort of transferred paranoia, I think, was uh, one psychiatrist once told me that he, uh, just because you're paranoid doesn't mean that no one's out to get you. <laughs> <laughs> and now every, every time I hear of a paranoia, yeah. I think about that. So like, of course I'm looking. Yeah, it doesn't mean that no one's out to get us. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Very good. You know what is coming next. A friend of mine Mm. has watched this TV series about Elizabeth Holmes. Oh, I also Uh, watched that. Really good. Really good. I I loved it too. Um, The former CEO of Theranos. Is that in jail? (laughs) (laughs) Isn't she? Yes. Maybe her mom visits her. (laughs) Probably (laughs) The question that I have for you is it has been reported that she started to deepen her voice to actually sound more professional so that people take her more seriously, more convincing. And so she changed her behavior. So Mm -hmm. my question Mm -hmm. to you is, is it a thing? Is it really true if we have deeper voices that we appear more assertive? Right. For men, yes, there's several studies that show that men with deeper voices have better luck with women, getting women. Oh, really? Yeah, yeah. And it's really men's voices are, like, the difference is something like 60%. Like, it's a real, it's it's a, it's it a big difference. If you have someone with a very high voice, man, it, it can be a bit odd. It, it, right? Yes, but yes. they think, anthropologists think that this has, this big difference is because of uh, sex selection. That oh. we really prefer men with deeper voices because it uh, it shows power. 
Ah, we like you know we choose taller men we choose men who are who earn more than us who are yeah. better educated and i think that falls in line with that, that we poor just, them it's <laughs> yeah it is uh, it, it shows yeah. power mm-hmm. so i think they think that we've sexually selected men who have deeper voices so that the difference is now so big Okay. That they've, they've, but I'm, I'm not sure that that is the, the, the applies to females. Yeah. Because uh, okay. because that would just, it just seems very pathological. Mm-hmm. But maybe, maybe you see more certain of yourself if you have a deeper voice. I mean, I read because when I started in uh, at the hospital after mm-hmm. I graduated, and I was, uh, I'm very short. I'm one sixty. It says my passport, but really I'm one fifty nine. Now then, it's out there. Yeah, how you said and I was twenty five. I was like, Jesus, how how am I going to get? How are you going to take me seriously? Yeah. And I would uh, you have to tell all these orderlies, which are in a psychiatric, cute psychiatric ward, they're these huge guys, mm-hmm. men who worked there for years. I'm going to tell them what to do. They're not going to listen to me. So I read this book about how to be taken seriously, and that was in there, deep in your voice, really? but also. But you have stand, a beautiful voice. Just saying. Thank you. Yeah. Stand further away. And then speak yes. louder in a yes. deeper voice. So yeah. this, so I I'm was sure just, it is then further away, but yeah. perfectly fine. It's like, I would always take several steps away and <laughs> scream at them. I'm just imagining. It didn't go very well. It didn't go it very didn't. well. That wasn't, I wasn't my best self. <laughs> This episode is also sponsored by Violet Nails. I've been going to Violet Nails every month for years at this point, having first tried a bunch of other places. But here, the result is smooth and elegant every single time. The treatments never last longer than planned, which is really important when you have kids and places to go. And they do everything from pedicures to massages and eyebrows. It's just a really relaxing place. I promise you'll never look back. You'll find the link in the description of this episode. Okay. So. I'm sweating. <clears throat> in many movies and TV shows, they actually tell stories about someone seeing a psychiatrist for help. Mm-hmm. And then all of a sudden there is there this attraction, maybe... They start having an affair, and in the oh, movies, they probably get married. What are you watching? Well, you have never seen this. I think it's all How I Met Your Mother. Robin fell in love with her psychiatrist, and they then really yes. Oh, uh, and then they were a couple for for um, a few months. It 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 didn't last. Okay. Um, spoiler alert. Mm-hmm. Um, but um, so my question to you is: Is that a thing? Um, does that really happen? Because you will meet people opening up to you completely. Mm-hmm. So is that something psychiatrists needs to pay attention that they don't start to develop feelings for their patients? Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. There's this. It's the phenomenal transference. Oh, really? yeah, yeah. And and it's it's a term that Freud first coined, and he called it transference love. And the Freudians think that it stems from a relationship in your past. For example, you had inappropriate fantasies or thoughts about your father. And then when you encounter a, a male therapist, older, reminds you of your father, then those feelings, those inappropriate feelings will be transposed onto the therapist. So the solution to that is to go into your past and find that relationship and resolve it there. 
but it's it's also commonly referred to as having feelings or thoughts about your therapist and i understand like think about it you have uh, you're in the most vulnerable period in your life you're sick it's probably the worst you've ever felt and you're lonely and then once a week you have someone there stable safe uh, who's looking you in the eyes for an hour and caring about you and yeah i think it's natural then that that awakens other feelings yeah. and that yeah. you get mixed up and you don't know anything about the therapist so so you can also make that person into whatever whatever it is that you need at that moment so you are putting everything out there and there he knows when you had sex last and you probably don't know if he's gay or straight mm -hmm. so it's it's in that sense even though you know we try to make the relationship you know between equals egalitarian and all that it it it's always very unbalanced so that's why we're very careful about boundaries but i've mm -hmm. found that it's it, it's helpful to disclose some things it always also makes the other person a little bit more comfortable but i found that this happened less frequently if i did mention my husband in a positive context or something like that just so that you know they knew that i was unavailable mm -hmm. but on the other hand some people do do have the, a tendency to fall for people who are unavailable so there's also a section of those patients who will fall in love with a therapist simply because they are unavailable so that so that wouldn't help <laughs> in those situations so what you have to do is like i said and you know it, it's happened to me a couple of times that i noticed that they're having that, that they're having certain thoughts in the way that they try to insert themselves in my life how do so, they do that um, they try to figure out what i'm doing on the weekend if i like this or that and staying after trying or trying to stay after this session yeah yeah yeah. yeah yeah being resistant and and starting the session not wanting to really focus and when they close themselves off like really you notice resistance to the therapy and uh, you have to address that mm -hmm. but you know because putting yourself in in the patient's shoes if you have a crush on someone then you won't tell you won't be completely upfront with them about everything there are things that you wouldn't tell someone you're crushing on yes imagine you know if i have a male client he's not gonna and he's crushing on me he's not gonna tell me about his uh, erection problems or his his diminished libido mm -hmm. or the, this disgusting habits he uh, he have he has in the bedroom which is why he can't keep a girlfriend and if if you have a male therapist you're not gonna you're not gonna tell him about the the pimples that broke out on your back <laughs> due to the due to the medication he's giving you right that's not something you're gonna you're gonna tell him so no matter what school of thought you have in therapy if you're freudian or you've practiced cbt or you're behaviorist whichever the most important tool in therapy is truth and the different therapy techniques they're they're just different tools to get to the truth and a crush or inappropriate thought can really thoughts can really get in in the way of that so that's why it's so important to resolve 
Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard so. So I've had those very light cases of uh, of flirtation, which didn't go so far that I had to address it in a in a big way. But my father in law is a prominent forensic psychiatrist, British. He had an extreme case once where a female patient called him on his wedding day and threatened to commit suicide because oh, really? she wanted him. I don't remember what he told me how that how that was resolved. He got married. So good, thankfully. But that's one of those extreme cases that I've heard of. But in my circle of of colleagues where I've worked, that's not something that's happened to to mm-hmm. to a large degree. Or I've never met anyone who's had uh, relationships with their patients. You never so had you- a friend who then ended up with their patient. No, I never saw that. I never saw that happening. By the way, Hannah mm-hmm. is married. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, and her husband was never her patient. No, <laughs> I haven't heard any any concrete examples. Like also in, in none of the groups that I've that I've been in or any colleagues, they're so careful nowadays. And we have such strict guidelines. And if anything comes up, you're very quickly advised to transfer the patient onto another. Okay. To, so to it's another not like therapist. How I met your mother. Okay. It's it's really and that's extremely unethical. Yeah, I'm glad we clarified that. (laughs) Is there something you want to tell us? No, no, (laughs) you are my psychiatrist, so. (laughs) Cool. That was it. That was it for today. Happy Sunday. Thanks for listening. See you on Instagram. 